When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Herdad Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty of room to jump in here this first hour. 489-1240. 489-1240. Can join us. 800-825-5865. And watch the show on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity. Radio in hour one will run down Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Plenty of things for Coach Rule to discuss on a Tuesday during the bye week. Uh, a call out in loving fashion of Nebraska's RB1. Or, well, he hopes to be RB1 if he can hold on to the football. We'll get there on Anthony Grant. Pretty pointed words and not throwing under the bus or backing the bus up, but Nebraska, if you want them going to postseason in Arizona or Detroit or, dare I say, pinstripe, I mean, you can go down the list, right, of of bull opportunities if things really get crazy and fun for Nebraska in the second half of the season. It's going to be Anthony Grant with some uh, 100-yard rushing days and some zero fumble days. So we'll go there in a little bit. Uh, of course, Mitch Sherman – this hour, Matt Schick will join us of ESPN and Schick and Nick fame coming up in hour two. And then the Gentleman Jim. Uh, I need a Gentleman Jack right now. The weather's awesome. But Gentleman Jim Walden, longtime coach, going to join us in hour two. Love his thoughts on Nebraska, but also the Pac-12 because it's a well Oregon-Washington showcase this weekend. So college football on our mind. The mayor was... Uh, alive and well in Minneapolis as Coach Hoiberg took to the microphone for Big Ten Media Days. Nebraska pegged 12th. They'll need to do a little bit better than that. I think they could. So uh, a lot on the table here. And somebody owes me a steak. Oh, now you're going to ask for it. Uh, even the fact I was up, I think. We weren't up. We were nil. even. I don't think we were. I think really? I was, all time, maybe you were up. All, the all, past year. all time, this is one of those records like... All time, I probably owe you a half a cow. You do. <laughs> I mean, all time. If we're going all time, I think it's... Think of the, the rivalry record that's not really a rivalry. Colorado-Nebraska. Not recently, mind you. But that's that's how things had been going. But you've had your shots in there. You've won your share of steak and beer bets. Just not last night. What was that, 16 to 12? Was that the score? 17, 13? Something I, like that? I was picking I a steak and a beer bet. I was picking a steak and a beer bet with my heart. 
Um, my roommate's a big Packers fan. I was really on his side last night. I also hate the Raiders being a Broncos fan. So it was they tell you to bet with your head, not your heart. And yesterday, this taking a beer bet was with my with my heart instead of my mm-hmm. head. And I'm I'm reaping the consequences today. I've accepted it. I've I've just come to discover that Jordan Love maybe he's not a good NFL quarterback after all. He had a couple of bad picks last night. I think two of the three at least were bad. I think you could maybe argue all three and. Hey, the Raiders deserved the win last night. It's as simple as that, as much as it pains me to say the Packers were just not the better football team. I can't stand Josh McDaniels after what he did to the Broncos. Uh, I can't stand the Raiders as a whole, just based on their history with the Broncos. Uh, no, and, it's, and, and, it's confession. You're, you're fine. Keep going. Sometimes evil wins in this world, <laughs> and we saw that last night. Wow. <laughs> Man, that, that's that's straight out of some superhero movie. I like it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this heart v head and and bring it back to Nebraska for a moment. Your heart tells you what that that Matt Rule, you're you're hoping as a Nebraska fan, Matt Rule can do the impossible. They sweep their next three, and then they split. They go two and one against Wisconsin, Iowa. Maryland. And these these guys get to eight. That's what your heart's hoping for. Your heart's really honestly hoping for, for six or better. But your head tells you what. And let's lay this out. Let's lay the seriousness of the situation out on offense. Your, your running back that was close to a grand last year is having fumble problems. Your quarterback situation is to the point where they've got to make some plays downfield against these future defenses they're going to be facing. That's that's very real. Oh, and, and by the way, your your best big play threat on offense has been Marcus Washington. He is done with an ACL, and that sucks because he's a good dude. Sucks for anybody, but it really sucks for him because he's a big-bodied wideout that – there was some comfort there. Well, and, so heart or head question here. What do you believe about this wide receiver group being able to grow up here in accelerated fashion? They've been brought along slowly. There's requirements to get on the field, playbook requirements. And the, the talent's there. It's not a question of talent, but with Doss, with Lloyd, with Malachi – you're going to need all three of them, man. And can you get all three of them up to speed to contribute? That's that's the charge, and and that's what needs to happen. And and can you take care of the football while you're at it running the football? Now I want to go to Washington here just real fast here because I don't want to, to skirt over that loss and how no. big it is. I think Marcus Washington, he might not get drafted this year, especially now coming off a knee injury. That's a tough injury to, to face before you – we can assume try to make your 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 name for yourself in the pros, and I think he was a guy that was going to find a spot on a roster some way, somewhere, somehow. He's a guy that that plays the game the right way. I've been impressed with him every time I've seen him on the field. Was he Trey Palmer? No, and we saw how Trey Palmer slid last year, but Trey Palmer has also worked his way up into being a guy who's getting some pretty significant snaps as a rookie for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I don't think Trey Palmer is necessarily the best example. I mean, but a guy that can can find a spot in a practice squad, get his way at a 53-man roster, do what needs to be done from him on special teams. He was a guy that I think had a professional He's future mature. in front of him. Mature, exactly. That's the right word I'd use. Now you look at it, man, coming off a knee injury, especially at this point, we're usually talking a 9- to 12-month recovery. That's a guy who's going to then miss a lot of rookie minicamp, 
Might not even be a full go for your first ever NFL training camp. That's a rough spot to be in for Marcus Washington. So I want to start off this conversation by talking about him and just saying, man, I feel for him on a day like today. The fact that your future has now become a little bit cloudy based on a senior year knee injury. So really, really feel for Marcus Washington. Cause I, I think he had a bright future. I still think he has a bright future, but it's going to be some uphill sledding for him over the next probably 12 months or so trying to find his spot into the ranks of professional football. Now on to the, the freshman receivers that Nebraska have that, I mean, they really need to step up because Nebraska's receivers that are still remaining, still able to being played have a combined 32 receptions on the year. 20 of those come from Billy Kemp. And whenever you look at the the guys outside of Billy Kemp, all but Alex Bullock are actually being uh, outpaced in terms of receptions per game by Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant has three receptions on the year. Alex Bullock has seven. Nobody else has three aside from Billy Kemp in that wide receiver room right now. Oh, man, does Garrett McGuire have his work cut out for him over the next couple of weeks trying to get those guys ready to go. And that's not a good thing. He's got an uh, talk about uphill battles. He's got an uphill battle to face through the bye week and through the next couple of weeks of October to get his guys, his freshmen geared up because it's not really the place you want to be thrusting a freshman wide receiver into. Uh, you're going to have to find some guys that are going to step up and you're glad that Jaden Doss is back from that forearm injury. Mm-hmm. Now you, that's a, that's a, a huge time to get him back before the bye week getting him geared up. Cause you're going to need him over the next couple of weeks. You're going to need Malachi Coleman. You're going to need Jalen Lloyd. You're going to need all those guys to finish the season and, Oh man, I don't think any Husker fan out there likes what Nebraska has in the wide receiver room right now, and and it's it's kind of just been the story the, of the offense. You love the potential. Year, right? You love the potential of them. Are they ready now? Are they mature enough? We go back to that word in maturity. Marcus Washington, very mature team guy, uh, did it all, and uh, was your big play threat. Uh, Doss, Lloyd, Coleman. Doss has battled back. Lloyd has seen some time. Malachi's got some more time. Uh, and all three need to to suck it up and, and buy in if you're a Nebraska fan. And they want to do it for themselves and their teammates, obviously, but it's easier said than done uh, with that freshman year when you're being kind of thrown into the deep end. Let's hear from Matt Rule on the young guys at wide receiver. How do you manage that wide receiver spot? You're at by now, and you've got a week to, to get better together and then – Get him ready for Northwestern and beyond. Yeah, I mean, Malachi played on Friday. Jaden Doss played on Friday. Jalen Lloyd played on Friday. I think all three of them have to be ready to go. So all three of them um, have come a long way. They've gotten better and better and better. Um, you know, they, they, they appeared ready to be ready to go on Friday night. And uh, this is a great week for them to, you know, we went out and practice practice today. So we, you know, those guys need to step up, and I'm sure they will. But you, you talk about the fact that they played on Friday, Schmitty. They played to Malachi Coleman, one reception for five yards, Jalen Lloyd, zero receptions for zero yards, and Jaden Doss, zero receptions for zero yards. They were on the field, and they were doing their other jobs, but are they able to, to contribute like in, in all facets? Or are you limiting an already very limited offense anyway? I mean, it's it's dire with what you can do on offense and that that safety blanket has been running the football and and now that's 
a bit in question because of, of the fumbles. Well, and, and if there is a silver lining to this week, Schmitty, it's that... You don't have to play anybody. You just play You, don't you play to, each other and you try and get better. You don't have to play anybody. You have a, a week to, to get healthy and get better. And hey, where you have the, the really debilitating injuries at the wide receiver spot, not the offensive line. And we've seen Nebraska, they want their bread and butter to be running the football this year. So if there's a silver lining to take away from it, it's, hey, you, you lost the position on, on your offense, which probably had the least production on the year anyway. And part of that was due to the, the guys in the room. Part of that's been due to injuries mm-hmm. as the year's gone on. Part of it's how you want your offense to be constructed. But receiver spot has not been the focal spot of the offense coming into this year. So you're not expecting to put a huge burden onto those freshman receivers. It's not USC. It's not Colorado. It's not these guys getting targeted 10 to 15 times per game. It's still going to be a chance for these guys to develop while on the field in a way that you're hoping doesn't limit their development because you're throwing them in too early. I mean, you're not going to be putting a lot on their plates this season, you're putting more than you would have liked to, I think. But it's not your offensive line. I mean, you've, you've already lost a, a fair number of running backs. But could be worse, I guess? It's, Question it's, mark? It's, dude, <laughs> it's, it's bare bones now. All right. We'll get to more of your comments. But uh, I, I think you'd rather throw in a freshman wide receiver for significant snaps than a freshman offensive lineman. Is what, what the, the heart of my point I'm trying to make. No, uh, totally. But it's not. I mean, the guys playing now played as freshmen. And, and they never really they, – they've – gotten a little bit better but there's still a work in progress from what you want to be on the offensive line chris chimes in so happy that i was wrong herbies will not go two and ten that's right they are three and three that works more from matt rule on the wideout specifically getting dos back and uh, the other options they have yeah, I think the fact that yeah, there wasn't anything with his lower body. I mean, our, you know, our guys do a great job of keeping guys in shape. You know, he broke his arm, so we just had to wait for it to heal. The most and um, once it healed, you know, he's been integrated back in. So he was out, you know, back in for a week, and then a little something. I think maybe I, I can't remember Michigan week if he was up or not. Forgive me, but then he was up obviously last week, and you know, actually called a reverse for him in the game. Uh, Sat did, and they checked out of it because the they were blitz in the corner. But uh, Jaden's a really good player. Jalen's a really good player. Malachi's a really good player. Ty Han stepped up. Bullock, I thought, made the plays we all know Bullock's capable of making. So uh, we'll need those guys to. We'll need those guys to go. Bright side, I gotta love it. What was that? Yeah, Someone uh, hacking I, I in? was confused for a second. I had football reference pulled up, and they had an autoplay ad going that ah. I, that I had to quickly mute. So. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Cruz chimes in. Love hearing from Cruz. As a Nebraska fan, I feel good that the next three games. Uh, about the next three games where our defense is. Northwestern's got an interim coach. Purdue, not as strong as they have been in the past. And, well, there's Michigan State. (laughs) Uh, uh, They'll have an interim coach. They have an interim coach. So it's time to capitalize for Nebraska, but you're going with uh, some some Utes or or, or youths. Um, uh, Brett emails in, chris at hailvarsity.com. Run the damn ball guy loves this offense. Where are the tight ends? Good question. You got Borkacher and uh, you've got Fedoni. Fedoni's been there. He's been a target. He's been a primary option. But you've got Bonner you can throw to. Uh, that's the, He made his first career catch just uh, the other day on a big third down conversion, I believe. And according to Football Reference, one reception for five yards on the year for Bonner. Spider two, why banana? Where <laughs> it out. I mean, well, you just dive into the numbers, though, and you get worried because it's Fleeks, two receptions for six yards. Emmett Johnson, two receptions for 20 yards. Anthony Grant, three receptions for 12. Bonner, one for five. 
You have Ty Hahn, one reception for 21 yards on the year. Uh, Malachi Coleman, one for five. Uh, Jalen Lloyd, one reception for 19 yards. And you have Alex Bullocks, seven for 119. And Billy Kemp, 20 receptions for 219 yards. This is essentially what Nebraska has in terms of receiving threats this year. And I guess I'll throw Fedoni in there as well, 12 for 157. Hmm? That's what Nebraska has. Right. And how many fumbles does their backfield have? Quarterback and running backs together. They lead college football. It's 14, yeah? Mm-hmm. Is that the number? And, and Harburg has is, is only lost one. To his credit, he's jumped on it. We'll hear a little bit more this hour. More of your comments coming into the Stream Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Can watch the show. Listen that way wherever you hear us across the Hail Varsity Radio Network and also on the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. But we'll get to some of Coach Rule's comments about Anthony Grant, the running game, the expectation, and uh, really identity moving forward but it is a bye week matt schick with us in less than an hour his take on the big red and some of the options for the college football playoff jim walton hall of fame coach longtime nebraska guy his take as well on the pac-12 race and yes nebraska mitch sherman's on the way it's that time hey mitch Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hail Varsity, on a Tuesday. You hear that open, and uh, it means it's time for Mitch Sherman. I just got a text from my son who's letting me know that there is an Audi 2017 for sale. So every time we talk to Mitch Sherman, it never fails on a Tuesday at 426. I get a text from my kid. Hey, let me get an Audi. And I get a chance to talk to Mitch Sherman. I'm excited to talk with Mitch. Well, you have to ask Can I block my own son on his number, Mitch? Is that is that bad parenting? Hmm. You're thinking I it over. Try it. I don't think I would do it because there's always that concern that he's going to. He might actually need you for something. Uh, is he like? So why is he notifying you about these vehicles for sale? Are you, are you supposed to then then turn around and buy this for him, or what? Was that the, is that the, the hint here? Okay, here's what happened. It, it's a year to the day we bought him his his first car. All right. Said car may have been a foreign model. Mm-hmm. Said car did not last the three months it was supposed to last for warranty. We got a full refund. We went and got newer vehicle that has warranty that is fine. But he wants his uh, his foreign option, and he keeps letting us know. Well, the question with the foreign well, option is, is can he afford the, the inevitable... Ten thousand dollars. You need to fix it after the one year you've owned it. He has not answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you should just be happy to have have Thank wheels you. that are functioning. But the, you know. right, my yes. first car was a minivan. Really? Yeah, the women loved it. I I, I would hope that <laughs> that every time that you pulled up in the driveway in a minivan, that your date's father had a long, serious talk with you with a sharp object or a firearm in hand. Well, the minivan showed I was I was ready to be a family man already, ah, you know, I at age see. 16, except mm. when I was doing donuts in the parking lot in the minivan, which my dad never saw that video. No, but. that's bad. Mitch, let's <laughs> uh, let's talk about Nebraska football 
And uh, is is uh, Garrett and, and Rule in the parking lot of Memorial Stadium ripping off donuts right now because, hey, no one got hurt today? <laughs> that could be. <laughs> Although, you know, we don't know the, the full – uh, the full report from practice, maybe somebody <laughs> did get hurt. It's been a rough stretch for Nebraska on the injury front. And the, you know, the unfortunate part or, or, or the, just the, the difficult to handle part for Nebraska is, you know, I think they've done as well as they possibly could, as any program could, over these first 10 months with Matt Rule in charge of putting a system in place that that looks out for the health of the players and yet you're continuing to see these things happen in non-contact situations just unavoidable moments in the game of football um not a lot of re-injury which is more easily prevented prevented than initial injury but it just seems that they it doesn't just seem it's it is in, in fact true that they're heavily hitting one area of the team, and that would be the ball carriers and playmakers on the offensive side. And then with Marcus Washington, of course, being the latest to go down Friday night at Illinois, and we find out today that it's a season-ending ACL. Mitch, let's dive into the offense moving forward and uh, the, the reality of it. Three... Freshman wideouts that are talented. There's upside, a running back room that mm-hmm. you like the talent Grant has, but he's been notified publicly again by his head coach about fumbling. You've got Emmett, you've got Fleeks, and you've got some teams that Rule nailed it in his uh, in his media session today that it's it's six games that Nebraska could win. It's six games Nebraska could lose. What is the um, What's the formula here if you're sat, if you're rule, and, and you're Riola to, to go with who's healthy but also deal with that inexperience and also some guys right now that aren't taking care of the football? Yeah, the formula, I mean, there's, it's, a, it's some kind of a mix of experience and youth and taking risk but also being uh, wary of, of limiting turnovers. And that, that's, the, that's the challenge for – the coaches on the offensive side is, you know, they they don't have a lot of cards left in their hands, and they've got a number of issues in in every area. When it, whether you're talking about playing experience in the Big Ten, uh, or you're talking about this issue that Nebraska has continued to have with turnovers, and you, you, you know, you you have to somehow mix and match to find the right uh, combination. And I think one thing that we saw from Matt Rule in the week after the Michigan game leading up to Illinois is that he is willing to take risks when it comes to this team. The more that more time he spends around them, the more he gets to know them and coach them and, and integrate them into the system that he has intended to build since he arrived on campus. And, and you saw him take a risk, I think, in the way that he kind of stuck his neck out after the Michigan game, on the Monday after the Michigan game, again, the way that they approached that practice last Sunday. And, and I mean, if it hadn't gone well at Illinois, uh, Rule would have been open to some criticism for uh, handling things the way that he did after, after Michigan. But, you know, they, they turned things around with their 
energy and played more loose uh, despite some of the mistakes in the second half. And, you know, you saw a team, I think, that responded to the challenge that he put out in front of them. And then he took some risks in the game, too, you know, going forward on fourth down uh, in the first half, and that paid off. So moving forward, you know, I think that's probably a precursor of the way it's going to go. They'll take some risks. Uh, but you don't want to be ill-advised. You don't want to take take risks that are unnecessary and end up creating a situation where you're turning the ball over at, at the wrong moment. Mitch Sherman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska, the path forward, and the bye week. And Mitch, whenever you, you think about this bye week as a whole, there's some important factors for Nebraska in terms of a, a chance for some guys to get healthy. You think about Reimer and you think about Singleton. You think about the opportunity for the young wide receivers. you got to get them ready. you got to clean up some fumbling issues for Anthony Grant moving forward and really those turnovers with the offense as a whole as you just kind of laid out. And I want to get your thoughts on what the number one order of business should be for Nebraska in the bye week. What's the one thing that, if they can get it right during the bye, will lead to the most success in the final six games? I think the number one thing they have to do is focus on being healthy uh, because it's just been one thing after another. And, you know, you can't do anything about the season-ending injuries. But as you, as you mentioned, Elijah, there are some players like Reimer uh, and some others. You know, Jeff Sims is on that list, too. Players who are dinged up. Uh, and the, the important thing is to make sure that those guys are getting the rest that they need and, and at the same time the preparation so that, when the second half of this season starts, they can be as close to full strength with the players who are still available as possible. So you take out the guys whose whose seasons are over, and then the rest they they need to be as as close to 100 percent as possible. There's gonna there's gonna still be some things I'm sure that hold them back, but they need to they need to have their entire arsenal, what's left of it, available to them uh from the get-go i mean against northwestern so that's to me is the number one thing and then uh number two is cleaning up some of the some of the just just the the little bugs that have been in the system and that's the false starts um you know some of the mental errors that we've seen with this team and i think you can even classify a lot of the turnover issues into the mental error category there's a way that they want anthony grant to hold the ball there's a way that they want him to run with the ball and carry the ball so that he's less likely to get it knocked out in crunch time when teams are really poking and popping at that thing. And some of that, a big part of that, is mental in addition to being physical. He's got to be strong. Um, you know, if he has an arm injury, you know, then that, that uh, is, is, a, is a reason for some of his ball security. But that's, that's not been the case. We've not heard anything about that. It's, it's just he's not holding the ball right. So all of those little things, on top of, of being as healthy as you can be, and he's had a, you accomplished that, you've had a good bye week. Mitch, going to wrap up with you on this. Thanks for a few minutes today. Mitch Sherman, the Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. When we talk uh, about the, the quarterback spot moving forward, I mean, it's going to be a, a daily competition. And do you anticipate that, that race getting tight uh, with Sims getting back healthy? Or do you think uh, Harburg is going to be able to continue to, to raise his game and, and fend off any would-be folks that want to take that top spot uh, with Purdy, with Sims, uh, and, and Harburg's you know, going on start five here after the bye week? Yeah, I think right now he's entrenched. He's the starter. And I don't really envision it changing based on practice. 
And I know the coaches are going to say it's a daily competition, and in a sense it is. But there comes a time for a quarterback, and really at a lot of positions, where you're basing the decision on who starts in the game more off the performance, and not just the performance, but just the leadership and the overall response that Nebraska's got from its team when he's been in, in charge. You're basing it more off of that than you are from like the ebb and flow of a Tuesday to a Wednesday to a Thursday in practice. And, you know, I think Heinrich would really have to go out and, and get hurt or just have a, have a, a terrible week, which, you know, he's not in position to do. He's going to practice hard in order to lose that job going into the next game. So I think it's his right now. Um, and then we'll, and then the game, of course, is so important. And what happens against Northwestern, you know, that's where something could change in the, in the pecking order. And then what happens against Purdue, the same thing. But right now I think Nebraska's in a position where it's his job. And they're, they're, they're going to go with the guy that got them to this place, the guy who's won three games and four starts, and see how far they can ride this. Mitch, to, to get you out of here, I don't want to look too far ahead. we had about 60 seconds. Can you power rank the three most important games remaining on Nebraska's schedule? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd put Purdue in that category. I'd put Iowa in that category. And then uh, well, I, I, mean, I suppose I would say Michigan State, because I, you, know, I, you don't count anything as a win for Nebraska in the Big Ten. There's only about three teams in the Big Ten, I think, where you can just count games as wins, and uh, Nebraska is obviously not in that category. But I do think that, that you know, any game that you lose all of a sudden becomes the most important game. But I'm, I'm kind of with I'm a heavy lean toward Nebraska against Northwestern. So if you talk about the most important games left on the schedule, I say, I'd say what I'm looking at is the games that are the closest to being toss-ups, and, and that for me is Purdue, Michigan State, and Iowa. Mitch, we'll check in again soon. Good to spend some time with you today. Thanks for a few minutes. Okay, thanks, guys. Take there care. There he is, Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. At Mitch Sherman, more from Coach Rule. And uh, Elijah and I can arm wrestle a little bit here on that, that power ranking and the uh, the turnover topic. More of your comments in the stream as well. Hail Varsity YouTube channel to, to jump in. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're presented by your friends at Herdad Sports. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law, Workers' Compensation. Are you confused about your options for Workers' Comp? Put your trust in the team at Dyer Law to help ensure that your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve. Call the team at Dyer Law today, 1-888-DYER-LAW, one 888 Dyer Law or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. Dyer.Law, one triple eight Dyer Law for workers' compensation. Our phone number, 489-1240, 489-1240, as we get into a good idea from one Elijah Herbal, the power ranking, and... Uh, is it okay to put Northwestern off to the side? Can you get big for your britches after winning three out of four if you're Nebraska? Well, that's why I, what's the, 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 the staff and the players aren't. But the fan base and us radio pukes, we're a different story. Well, let me, let me present it to you this way, Schmidt. When you think of power ranking the remaining opponents, you have to look at it in two ways. One, the importance of getting a win in this game. 
And two, how detrimental would a loss be in this game? They're, okay. And a loss to Northwestern would be so incredibly detrimental that I don't think you can throw it to the side because, as Mitch kind of said, like, hey, you, you can't chalk up games as wins in the Big Ten whenever you're Nebraska and where you've been over the past couple years. I mean, you really can't even do that under Pelini. I remember a game where Rutgers gave you the scare of a lifetime. And I think Rutgers went two and ten or three and nine that year. Is mm-hmm. at home. Is a home game where the game was close until about the end of the third quarter. Telemir had to. He turn. put on his Superman cape yeah. at the end of the third quarter. Put up a couple touchdowns and made that game seem not as close as it was. But like, I'm not ready to look at that Northwestern game and say, "Yeah, man, those Wildcats they don't stand a chance." They beat Minnesota. And last I checked, Nebraska couldn't beat Minnesota. And I know you can't compare football games apples to apples like that because that's not how it works. But Let's not act like this Northwestern team is in as much of a free fall as Michigan State is right now. And Michigan no. State's not an automatic win either. No, because you're on the road and who, who the hell knows when that is. I know that we'll be there for it uh, in East Lansing, ready for Nebraska-Michigan State. And if things go how Nebraska fans may envision them, it is going to be that sixth win. That gets you to bowl eligibility. Uh, and Nebraska could be heading into Maryland at 6-3. and three. I know we're fast-forwarding, and that's not wise to do because you don't know what college football team shows up from Saturday to Saturday. Uh, you know that you don't have to worry about losing this Saturday if you're a Nebraska fan. You get to put your feet up, pour a cocktail, and watch somebody else sweat for four hours and just enjoy. Uh, but Northwestern coming in at 2.30, I mean, that game, I think Nebraska's probably an eight-point favorite, maybe a 10-point favorite. I don't know that 10 points get scored by Nebraska's offense without some help. But that's where they're at, man. It's dire. Uh, Brandon chimes in on uh, some of the things we're talking about uh, when it comes to the wide receivers. These young guys have huge upside. Just imagine if we can get to 22 to 25 the Wisconsin game uh, with that with that crew that still has grown while the uh, the worst three teams in the Big Ten getting through. Did I? You you butchered that, but he didn't do you any favors. Thank you, Brandon. Let's retype that. Sorry, <laughs> because it was a good thought. I think he's saying. Imagine how much different the Wisconsin game looks if you can get if those you can, three freshman receivers geared up over you, the next well, three you're, games. You're going to have to. Yeah. You're going to absolutely have to. Brandon, thanks for chiming in on that, bud. Appreciate it. Uh, Delane wants to know the status of Reimer and Singleton uh, injured. Uh, how soon are they back? Don't know. Not out for the year. That's Not all we know. From, from Rural, all we know is he'll give you an update if they're out for the year. That's why we got the update Dan Washington out for the year. As for guys like Reimer and Singleton and uh, a guy in Prince Will Umamelin. I butchered his last name probably there. It's Prince Will. His first Prince name Will. basis. Prince Will. I'll just call him Prince. Not out for the year. That's about all we know on those guys. Listen, I, I don't know that I don't know that Maryland is not going to be punch drunk by the time they come into Memorial Stadium. I don't know that Nebraska is gonna be injury free. Say the injury bug stops after today. You don't know that that's going to be a real thing either. Uh, Michigan State, tire fire right now. Iowa, what, what, what are they all about with two losses in the West? Assuming they don't go to Madtown and win, maybe they do. I don't know. They're not far removed from 31 nothing, where defense kept them in as long as they could. Let's hear about the running back situation, specifically Anthony Grant and – the topic of fumbling said football. 
And uh, cut eight here. Coach Rule was asked how important Anthony Grant is. Well, he's not okay with me because <laughs> he keeps fumbling the ball. I love Anthony, but you can't play for us if you can't control the ball. So Anthony, Anthony, uh, you know he's he's got to improve that. Not in the doghouse. People take things the wrong way. He's got a skill a skill that is not showing up. It's very simple. It's, to me, it's all technical. Football's never emotional for me. It's just technical. So I have to get that fixed for Anthony, and Anthony has to get that fixed for Anthony, or he can't play because we can't. You know, you can't fumble the ball in practice on Tuesday, then fumble it again in practice on Wednesday, then fumble it. In four minutes on Saturday and think you're going to play the next week. So I think the bye week comes at a great time because Anthony can really work on that this week. Um, he's got such great vision. He has all these things, but he has one skill that's preventing him from playing at the level I think he could play at. So yeah, he's healthy, all those things, but I'm counting on Anthony and uh, I need I need him and we need him to step up and we need him to very simply cover the top, cover the top of the ball and not run with the ball like this. And so um, I don't know what else to do other than to say what I just said. I said it to him, obviously, but say what I just said. So he hears it because he's a really good player that could probably play for many years after this. But you're not playing for Bill Belichick if you fumble the ball. You're not playing for Mike Tomlin if you fumble the ball. So we we uh, we need him this week to really make a step. So public caution right now said it once said it twice said it three times has told him multiple times imploring him now the rest of the teammates need to jump on board support him uh more from rule on the root cause why is he fumbling I did the same thing in Illinois last year. It was a close game. The ball was ripped out. And to me, it's all technical. It's about covering the tip of the ball and keeping the ball high and tight. If you watch Heinrich run with the football, Coach Osborne came in yesterday. We you know watched watched some film with us, and he was just talking about how beautifully Heinrich carries the football. He carries exactly like we ask him to do. You watch Tommy Hill. He had that fumble again on the kickoff return, and Tommy Hill picks the ball off the other night. And there's a picture of him. You know, we're going five points of ball security. It's a commitment to that. And so Anthony's been running with the ball one way his whole life, not protecting the, the front tip of the ball, and again the ball getting out here. It's Division one football, you're not going to have a lot of runs where you start right and work back left. It just doesn't happen, especially in four minutes. So we've just got to continue to coach him. And we love him. we got to coach him. He's come so far in so many ways. His pass protection, his route running, catching the ball, things that we thought maybe he couldn't do, he can absolutely do. This is something that has to get corrected. Um, at the same time, Josh Fleeks is ready to play. Emmett put the ball on the ground, which was disappointing on the exchange. So there's obviously a cultural, you know, and that's why I'm speak. I, I speak things in here sometimes when I want the, the locker room to hear it. Like, it's got – you can't blame – the, all the coaches, like you know, what I mean? like blame me. That's fine, but like at some point, the players have to start saying it, and our players get that. That's that was what was great yesterday. I, I talked to our team and said, you know, they wanted to play with a swagger, they wanted to play with energy, they wanted to be coach. Take the leash off us. I'm a little more old school. I said, okay, take the leash off you. Can't have 11 penalties though. Can't have the ball inside the five twice. And so I said, hey guys, how do we make this where we can play with a certain energy where we don't have these penalties? And Newsom said, well, we have to do it. And I was like, exactly. That's that's how you change what's happening so I think it's the same thing with him technically but at the same time he needs, he needs to hear from his teammates like hey bro, we need you we need you to hold it this way every single time and now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio one final time more comments coming here on the stream yard Hale Varsity YouTube channel Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbal as we're with you out of Tuesday Uh, Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. Podcast will have the interviews you want to hear. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or the Hale Varsity YouTube channel for the video. Uh, Matt Schick coming up here in 10 minutes of ESPN and Schick and Nick fame. And we'll run down Jim Walden, longtime coach for Washington State, Iowa State assistant and uh, player 
for Coach Devady and Coach Osborne. So we'll talk with the, the gentleman, Jim, on some big red topics and the Pac-12 race. 489-1240. Reminder about buckling up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We had plenty from Coach Rule here this first hour as well. He met with the media today. And let's try and squeeze in what the identity is. Elijah, no matter we talk about running the football or who's going to hold on to the football, who's catching the football, who's a freshman, who's injured, who's quarterback, what's the offensive line look like? Well, Nebraska is going to going to win and try and win moving forward with uh, that identity about what they're good at when it comes to to the run game. We you know we did a bye week, you know, kind of plan to win with the guys, you know, like all the things we need to improve upon, you know, um the one thing we're doing well is, you know, we're we're first in the Big Ten in rushing offense. Uh, we're first in 10-plus yards rushing. I think we're third in yards per carry at 5.1. We're second in rush defense, maybe first or second in defensive yards per carry and first in 10-plus runs. So we're, we're defending the run well. Third down, you know, we're, we need to get about 7% better on offense and 7% better on defense. We're... I think we're middle of the pack on, you know, I can't remember the numbers, but we're 40% on defense, okay? We need to be in the low 30s. And we're 37% on offense. We need to be in the mid-40s. So there's a lot of things that are just close. The one thing that's keeping giving us a chance is running the football. We're minus through, through six games. We're, we're uh, I guess, minus seven um, in the turnover battle. We're 129th out of 133 teams. And that's, you know, that would, that could have been a 30-7 to seven game, 35-7, to 40-7 game. So... Um, there's a lot of things, but our identity of running the football, you know, and, and taking away the, and, and stopping the run, that's, that, that can't change. That's just a bedrock of who we want to be. You know, it didn't work against – we couldn't get it done against Michigan. You know, they're, they're beyond that. We're, we were beyond that, that on that day. Um, but as we move forward, we have to continue to do that. These young receivers, um, you know, I think we started making some plays in the passing game this past game that allowed us to score some touchdowns uh, by, you know, tying some third-down conversions. We just have to continue to augment that um, as we move forward. So Matt Rule right there. Uh, Scott chimes in. I like listening to Coach Rule. Uh, he's the kind of guy that could tell you to go to hell and have you looking forward to the trip. <laughs> <laughs> like that, Scott. That's well done, sir. I'm going to get some readers. I need to get some readers. Is there any way to fix the font for the old guy in the room here? Uh, you could zoom in on your computer screen to make it bigger, I think. I could show you how to do that during the break. Um, Can you help me? <laughs> readers are always a good option. They're not too expensive, are they? I don't know, dude. I need my eyes checked, clearly. I, I got a guy. I got my, my you, eye you got, you, got a, you got a guy. He went to me. high school with one Brandon Vogel, actually. So Did he really? Nice little connection there. We will find all that out. Matt Schick is on the way. Jim Wald next hour. Hail Varsity continues. We're powered by Herdat Sports. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. 
Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We welcome in with ESPN, Sirius XM, and uh, of course the Schick and Nick podcast. Mad Schick back with us at ESPN underscore Schick on Twitter. Man, I'm in a wine. I, I like talking to you. I'm so thankful that you take the call and then spend time with this, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. I need to be putting for dough right now. Well, yeah, drive for show, putt for dough, whatever it takes to get on the uh, the golf course is really what you need to do. It's hard. You know, these are first-world problems you have. You're getting paid to host a radio show. <laughs> uh, I'm sure people love hearing you complain while they're at their normal desk job. But, you know, when the weather's nice outside, you do need to get outside. It's warmer in Lincoln than it is uh, than I think it is here in Charlotte. So the one, it, this is like one of three days a year I'm actually jealous of you guys. Well, Charlotte is pretty nice year-round, uh, so you, you win the battle. We'll take the war today. And I want to get into some college football with you. And thoughts on Nebraska getting to, to recess right now at 3-3? Three and three. Yeah, I think this was kind of about what you pegged preseason. Um, I, I'm not, you know, the, the one swing game in there was probably Minnesota. I don't think anyone thought they'd start 2-0. and um, Being 0-2 was certainly on the table. And once that happened, you would gladly take 3-3 three and three going into the bye week. I, you know, I, I preseason picked them to go 6-6. Six and six. I still think they will. I think Matt Rule said it best uh, today. That we not a team we can beat, and there's not a team that can't beat us. And that's kind of where you're at with this with this team. I think they're... In a lot of ways, they're fortunate to have the record they are because they tried to give that game away on Friday. Well, Matt, it's funny the the way that that Matt Rule says we think we can beat all the teams, or we think all the teams can beat us, essentially, because it, it flies in stark contrast to Scott Frost giving Indiana that bulletin board material a couple years ago. Yeah, um, it, it, it's interesting because you know Rule kind of calls it like it is. Rule kind of, you know, he. He understands where the team is at. He's not saying you better get us now. He's not saying this is the worst we're going to be. He doesn't know what the future holds. He knows it's a slow build. He knows not to make promises and write checks his ego can't cash. Or his ego, his write checks his ego, the body can't cash, I think is the top gun line that I butchered. But um, <laughs> he is, I think he understands the landscape. I think it's kind of one of those, you know, you're three and three. Um, you kind of, to go back to the golf analogy, you kind of snuck in a little par putt there. You run off the green, you go to the, you go to the clubhouse and now it's ready for the back nine and, and hopefully you can keep the momentum going. But I mean, frankly, it's one of the, the, the downsides of the big 10 this year is that it's so top heavy. Uh, the bright side to that is you only have one of those top-heavy teams on your schedule, and you've already played it. I mean, Nebraska's toughest game is in the rearview mirror. Um, its toughest road game is ahead of it outside of the Colorado game. But going to Wisconsin late, not ideal with the team in its first year with a head coach. But, I mean, there are a lot of different permutations and possibilities you could spin out uh, for, for Nebraska's final six games. Matt Schick is with us from ESPN, Sirius XM, the Schick and Nick podcast at ESPN underscore Schick. As we kind of wind down on, on Nebraska, what do you foresee offensively uh, with this team? Do you think they can get 
better under Harburg, or do you think they have to take a look back at Sims? I'm not sure that it truly matters uh, at this point. I think it's a matter of, you know, who do you who do you trust the most? And uh, it's probably a 1A, 1B with Harburg. Um, I also think this is a team that could probably use some Jeff Sims packages mm-hmm. to keep teams on their heels. There just isn't enough to keep you to keep a defensive coordinator restless. Uh, it might be worth giving them something to think about, assuming he's 100% healthy or assuming that's on the horizon after the bye week. You kind of work him back in, not as a starter, but as a guy that can mix it up a little bit, whether it's short yardage situation, whether it's just, you know, I mean, you're down to your third or fourth string running back. You might as well incorporate Sims in the run game a little bit at quarterback. So I, I think the it's just a matter of how often they turn the ball over, truly. I mean, have better talent, at least better talent than, than Northwestern. Um, you're going to be on par at the very worst offensively with Iowa. Uh, Purdue offensively is a very mixed bag. Defensively, they're pretty good. Um, you know, Iowa might have laid out some sort of defensive blueprint there. And, and frankly, with the way Nebraska is playing defense and the way they're tackling, you know, they're fortunate that it's just not, it, it doesn't look like a team that's going to give up big plays. You're going to have to earn it down the field. Um, and that's a good spot to be in because Nebraska is the kind of team that's not going to get big plays offensively. So you're kind of in a, in a war of attrition of who's going to make the first mistake first on these seven to 10 play drives. If you want to find the end zone, 12-play drives, and that's a good spot for Nebraska to be in with their margin for error so slim. Now, what's nice about the bye week is we can go a little bit bigger picture on the the season, and specifically the Big Ten West season as a whole. We'll be doing that this week. And I want to get your thoughts outside of Wisconsin. Who has the best offense in the Big Ten West? Best offense in the Big Ten West, I think, potential-wise, is Purdue. They're just not, just not manifesting itself right now. I mean, they... They throw up 40-plus against Illinois, and then they get stymied against Wisconsin and Iowa. It's certainly not Iowa. Northwestern might scare you a little bit, but Brendan Sullivan, Ben Bryant, you know, put them in a hat, pick it out, see what happens. Illinois has certainly been the most disappointing team at this point, but I guess you know that, that's not the kind of program that's just going to reload when you lose NFL draft picks. So I, I would probably lean outside of Wisconsin. I would lean toward, toward Purdue, but... I mean, frankly, you look at the, the the Big Ten mess, there's really not a lot to be concerned about. It seems, you know, the, the West is going to be decided this week, and that's pretty early here uh, before the mid part of October, but that's kind of kind of what's going to happen here if Wisconsin wins, which they're expected to, and then if not, maybe it drags on another few weeks. Well, it just feels like, Matt, that outside of Wisconsin, and maybe you could even throw Wisconsin in that category, I don't think I would, but it feels like you have six teams that are trying to polish a turd with their offense. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would disagree with that. Um, it's uh, there's there's nothing there's nothing that scares you about any of these teams. None of them. I mean, they who, who's the off who's the best player on Iowa offensively? Eric All. Who's the best player on Northwestern? Uh, Sullivan, who was their backup quarterback, maybe Minnesota. It's a running back who is kind of in and out of the lineup. Darius Taylor. Who is it for Nebraska? Pick a name out of a hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Fedoni. Like, I, I don't know who it is offensively. Hudson Card for Purdue. Maybe Mockaby at running back. Illinois. They, they don't know what they're doing right now. So there's just nothing there that, that frightens you. The best player in the, in the West, the best 
player overall is Braylon Allen. And with Tez Malusi out of the lineup, he's going to be getting 20-plus carries a game. Matt Schick with us. A couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio at ESPN underscore Schick. So, Schick, you, you covered a lot of national games, and I've always been in the Mario Cristobal camp as a good football coach. Did so at Oregon. Uh, I loved the hire for Miami. And and then now it's it's been an ongoing joke about refusing to kneel. Uh, in, in your world, uh, touch on the, the, the blowback and the reaction uh, th- that you've been able to see with being in ACC land with Miami having an unbeaten season until they didn't. I wonder if he proposed standing up. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. I wonder. I just, there are a lot of things that, you know, I tweeted it out earlier in the week that uh, when I was younger and I would play video games with my brother, it might have been PS1, we were playing NCAA football. And you know how you could see the, uh, the plays that were being decided between mm-hmm. on each side? And his screen, when he had a lead late night and have any timeout, one of his options was QB Neal. And that used to infuriate me. And then he'd select it. And I'm like, well, what are we even doing here? Why am I even here for the last minute and a half of this game? This isn't real life. Play it out. I would have loved to have had a Mario, a young Mario Cristobal living up the street. <laughs> we would have had a great, great time uh, playing video. It is one of the most egregious things that you'll see. The fact that it's happened not once but twice. The fact that when you look at the box score, whether they're up three, up seven, up 40, he's not taking these. He's playing it out to the final whistle. I don't know, preaching toughness, preaching playing to the finish line. Uh, he doesn't believe in the knee. So that's, uh, that, that's quite the accomplishment there. I, I, I don't know how you move on from that. I don't know as a player. It's like this week, hey, we got North Carolina now. Great. That should have been a battle of unbeatens with game day on hand. Instead, we're – we're just kind of licking our wounds here after a loss to Georgia Tech. I don't, I don't know how it happens, uh, but we'll, I guess we'll find out how much they believe in their coach and how they perform this week. And, Matt, to your point, my favorite tweet I saw this week said that every D1 coaching interview should have a room. The coaching kid has to walk in. It's NCAA 14 loaded up. Mm-hmm. One minute, 30 left. You're ahead by three. The other team has one timeout. If you don't win the game, you can't get the job. And I think it's a, it's a perfect representation for what we saw this past weekend. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would I would agree with that. Um, I've always felt like people auditioning for sportscaster jobs need to be able to throw a, a need to three. I need to see your throwing motion for a baseball or football before I take you seriously in your analysis. Uh, I think I think that's legitimate for college coaches as well. Let's let's see. You know, even if you didn't play the game, let's see if you can play the game. See if it's in the game in EA Sports and see if you can figure your out figure your way out of this panic room here uh, because the moment that Mario Cristobal in that job audition selects a toss sweep up three with no timeouts left for the opposition at like their, the midfield is the moment they say, thank you, sir. We've, we'll let you know. We'll get back. To you. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, are you going to chip in on the Mark Stoops collection plate? Don't you just love that? Don't you just love the, it, it, the Mark Stoops comment comes on the heels of him saying, we're not making any excuses, but pay, us, pay, our, pay our kids more. We don't have enough money. Um, I love that. That's, that's great. T- telling uh, you know, Jack and Judy who are scraping by to try and get their son uh, 
and their family to pay for parking at a game, let alone attendance at a game, and they're asking for more money. I just think that's that's very rich, uh, pun intended there, for Mark Stoops. And it's not wrong. I mean, he's not inaccurate in what he's saying, but there is no universe where, you know, even if you add, even if everyone in the state gave $10,000, that Kentucky is becoming a football powerhouse. They're just not. The same thing would happen like at Iowa. Let's get the Swarm Collective to raise a billion dollars. What what are you getting out of that? Not a national championship. So you just kind of have to know where you live. And, and Kentucky is just not going to be one of those elite-level programs. And But I understand what he's saying. And you might as well, if he thinks that's the only thing that's stopping him, uh, rather than you know recruit, develop, retain, and all those things that go into actual coaching, then, then God bless him. And then, then shell out the money. But I think there's someone named John Calipari who would like your money to go elsewhere. Yeah, and that's that's always a fun hangout relationship <laughs> between those two. Uh, with, uh, yeah, with, it, was a, it was years ago where the uh, recruiting budget for basketball outweighed the entire football yes. budget for football there at Kentucky. So it, it, it I don't did. know if that swayed at all. No, I, I, I don't know if it's different, but hey, uh, Stoops making 8.6 a year at, at Kentucky, and Seven and five's nice, you know. Uh, Matt Schick's with us at ESPN underscore Schick, host of the Schick and Nick show as well. Schick, I need your top four before we say goodbye. The the top four teams, who's in Schick's playoff? Well, right now, based on what they've done uh, and what they've accomplished, and there's so many undefeated teams, um, I would go just by eye test and resume. Uh, Michigan's in there. I would put uh, Florida State in there. Um, I would put Washington in there, and I would probably put probably put Ohio State for their road win against um, Notre Dame. Okay. I mean, Georgia is probably one of the top two teams in the country, but you know, I just need to see a little bit more uh, from them. But I think in the end, it'll be Georgia, Michigan, and then fill in the blank. I mean, frankly the gap between Georgia, Michigan and the rest of college football, I think is actually fairly sizable. Mm-hmm. And it feels like those are going to be the last two at the end, but we're only halfway, halfway home at this point. I can't, I can't wait to see Washington, Oregon. I can't wait to see how Ohio state handles Penn state and Michigan and, and, and all those permutations. But, um, you know, I, I'm still waiting to see more on Oklahoma. I'm not, I'm not buying in them uh, at this juncture. And frankly, to make the playoff, they have to run the table. They do, and uh, I could see them slipping up somewhere. Sheck, not to, to to leave you on a downer here, but I'm just wondering uh, how are how are things in in Coach Prime Land uh, from a a well will will Dion be back for a second year? Do you worry about him getting poached? No, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, and frankly, those are good problems to have if you're if your coach following a one and eleven season a year later is going to get poached. Uh, you've done something right, but. Um, the, the university has received tenfold what they paid him at this point. Uh, but I'm not. We, we had Rick George on College Game Day a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him you know, about the conversations he's having with Deion Sanders, and this was right before the Oregon game. And he goes, we're having conversations. I am not worried at all about him leaving. And frankly, when, you're, when you hit the over uh, in the win total before mid-October, life is pretty good. Uh, they had to win last week to become bowl eligible. They still have to win this week to have a chance to become bowl eligible. Uh, but it's been, it's been pretty impressive. I'm actually more concerned about Shadur uh, mm-hmm. than I <laughs> at this point. But hopefully, hopefully he'll stick around too. 
Shick, always great to chat with you, man. Thanks for jumping on with us. You got it, guys. Enjoy your bye. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it. Uh, Hale Varsity continues our, our bye week. And, man, we love uh, talking with this, uh, this this riverboat gambler, as he's been called. Uh, Gentleman <laughs> Jim joins us. Jim Walden, longtime coach, Washington State. And, of course, Iowa State played for Coach Devaney, coached with Coach Devaney and, and Coach Osborne. And, Coach Walden, how's, how's your week treating you? We've got a little breather, my friend, until uh, the Big Ten starts back up. Well, it's all good. My Cougars uh, out here, who actually have full far, they kind of stepped their toe this past week, kind of didn't have much offense. I think it's one of those down days when their quarterback just didn't adjust to a new-looking defense. I, I, I don't know if a lot of your fans are listening to this, but the old coaches cliche, every now and again, a defensive you'll see you haven't seen, and it's most, most of the time, Smitty, it's what we used to call a radar defense. Why do you call it a radar? It's because nobody puts their hand on the ground. It's mm. a really good defense to use against a predominantly passing team one time. You don't want to use it two times in a row because once these guys all take a look, know who's coming. But uh, they, UCLA's defensive coordinator did a good job, caught Cougars napping a little bit, flustered their quarterback, and uh, had a bad day. Other than that, uh, I loved the Nebraska had a big win over Illinois, and uh, so doggone it. I think I, I just think Coach Rule is doing a good job, and I hope the go big Redders are hanging in there with him. Big uh, to get that win, just because of the fan base's mood, Coach Walden. A lot of folks we interact with. I mean, there was a, there was a fork in the road uh, Friday night, and so many times Nebraska's had a chance to to, to make the right turn. And it, it hasn't gone that way over several coaches. Well, Nebraska got the win in a tough situation where, and and I don't know what your your greatest memory as a head man was when it came to getting turnovers in the fourth quarter, or what your worst memory was when it comes to giving the football away. But Nebraska tried to make sure Christmas happened in Illinois uh, last Friday night with that third quarter, five trips. Uh, to to plus territory, three points, three consecutive turnovers, and oh, they still wow. and they still hung on twenty to seven. So the defense played great, but the offense still worked in progress. Well, and you know that can be corrected. Uh, some of the fair stuff that caused the trauma uh, won't happen every time. The thing you love about that is the defense is always good in a sense of uh, they're not they're not seasonal. I used to say this all the time. Uh, defenses are not seasonal. Now, they'll have a bad game sometime when they're steps low, but for the most part, Smitty, defenses come to play. They have a system. They have belief in it, and so they'll be there. The Nebraska people need to understand there's still some work to be done by a long shot uh, with Coach Rule having only there his first year. But as the defense grows, I think you'll be able to depend on it more often yeah, they're going to run into trouble when you play a Michigan. I saw that score. But, my goodness, those are things that's off the charts of expectations. But the offense, you never know. Offenses, you, one week you think they're brilliant, the next week they're okay, and then all of a sudden they stink the place up. But in most cases, that can be corrected, and it won't happen again in the equal situation. So, And then the best part of that whole thing you said was that they won anyway, and that's a great thing. 
Coach, would you rather have, if you could only have one, would you rather have a great offense or a great defense? Well, I'd rather have a great defense because I've always believed in my heart, and Bob Devaney taught me that. If, if the teams you're playing have a hard time scoring, you can figure out a way to score some points. And I, I believe that with all my heart. Defense, as the old saying on the coach just told us, offense is for show, defense is for dough, and you can't win championships without – you look at any team that wins a championship, uh, they'll always be good on defense. Just take Georgia, for instance, or Alabama of the recent ones. Take Michigan right now. Uh, the teams with great defenses are right up there hunting for it. Jim Walden's with us. few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, when you were with Coach Devetti, what was his – his requirement, his request, if you played defense for him for those old black shirts? Well, it was just to, to give your best, to play hard, make good decisions. He trusted his coaches to, to, to weed out the best, if you want to use that term, or to give equal opportunities to everybody to, to see which, which guys are going to emerge to the top. Uh, in my case, a Willie Harper type or a Rich Glover type, or uh, as Monty would tell you, uh, a lot of the guys we coached, they were there because they were the best. They were tested. We didn't do that, uh, you know, just like in spring ball. We had 20 days of, of spring practice, and about 16 of those were contact. It's not like it is today. And so we had a little bit easier time, if you want to call it that way, of, the, of deciding who was the best. They decided because they came through. And so that's how we did it. It was just a survival of the finish, so to speak. But you made no bones about it. The 11 guys we put those black shirts on, we're going to, we believe in our hearts were the 11 best we had. Jim Walden's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what do you think of, of the Big Ten? I know you keep a, an eye on it. The East is, is such a beast, but the West is kind of still up for grabs. You've got Wisconsin and Iowa this weekend and Madtown. Who knows what Nebraska when they can get fixed on offense. But I think you're right about the defense. you got to feel good about it. And, uh, you know, Minnesota has been struggling. Illinois is not great. Purdue's looked down. I mean, it's wide open, and it doesn't look like anyone can seize it. Whoever wins Saturday in, in Madison's probably in your driver's seat. But there's still a, a lot of football to play. Well, no doubt about it. Uh, you're only halfway through the season and less than halfway through the conference schedules. And so – uh, it just you just say okay who's out in front now? Well, you'd have to say Wisconsin and Iowa. Well, they're fixing the place, so the winner of that's going to have a not a leg up on most everybody else for the time being. We watched Wisconsin out here, Smitty. Uh, the Cougars played a great, great game. They needed to uh, against Wisconsin and pulled out the win. But don't don't sell them short. They're a good football team, and I said when we were through. That might be our best win of the season because they're going to get better. Uh, Wisconsin, I believe, was going to get better, especially offensively, and I think they've done just that. So I know Iowa. Uh, you beat Iowa, you better prepare to, to win. <laughs> you better be prepared to, to do it with about uh, two touchdowns and a couple of field goals because they're not going to let you have much more than that. But uh, they are great on, on defense. Uh, they've always been, as long as Kurt's been there, it's just been weird. We're going to play great defense, and we're going to dare you to score. And at the end, we've got enough points, we'll win it. And that's just what I think the ball game will be. A, I think it'll be a t- two-touchdown, couple-of-field-goal winner game. Do you think either of those teams, Wisconsin or Iowa, stand a chance against Michigan in a potential Big Ten championship game, or even 
Penn State or Ohio State. There's a lot of intrigue in the East among those three teams who's going to be representing the conference in the title game. Like, if you're Wisconsin or Iowa, you win this game, but at what cost? you got to go play Michigan at the end of the year, potentially. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I think there's three really, really good football teams in the Big Ten right now. They're, I think for, for everybody on the west side, they're happy because they're all over on the eastern side. But with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, uh, those are three really good football teams. And I, I'll be very surprised, and I know this is maybe going to shock you guys, but I, I'm not too sure that Penn State might not be the best of the three. I'm with you. We'll see. Time will, time will tell. But uh, as far as a combination of O and D, it seems to me like Penn State – can meet the standard on either side, and I, that's just, just the way I see it. But that doesn't mean Ohio State and Michigan are not darn good. It's, it's going to take a good football team to beat Michigan, I believe that. And I think the one question mark with that Penn State team coach is the, the young quarterback, Drew Aller, because you know how important quarterbacking is, especially in the modern game of college football. You don't like having a question mark there. I've liked what I've seen from him so far this year, but you'll wonder what happens whenever he goes up. Uh, and do a test like the Michigan defense, whether or not he's going to be able to rise that. I think that's the one question that remains with Penn State, but I'm right there with you. I think Penn State's a fantastic all-around football team. Well, I do too, and I think every week their quarterback will get more confident as he is, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, when the big day comes, uh, you just got to hope he rises to the occasion because they are going to challenge anybody's quarterback because they're good on defense. Michigan is really good. Jim Walden's with us. Couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio. Let's preview the Pac-12. Coach, you got SC at, at Notre Dame. Oregon, Washington's going to be great. Do you think the Pac-12's good enough to get two in? If you had to pick one, who you riding with? Well, I'm going to ride with the winner of the Washington-Oregon game this week, and I will give the edge to Washington for two reasons. I just think their quarterback. I I don't want to get my Eugene. Oregon people mad at me, but I love Bo Nix. I think he's done a great job for them, but I like Penix a lot, man. I mean, he gets rid of the ball. He's got such a quick release. And uh, I, again, I could be shocked, but I, I'm going to give the edge. You just like the bookies. I think it's two and a half points. That's about what I feel. Home field advantage, really good quarterback, good overall program. I'm going to give Washington the nod. And if they do beat Oregon, I don't think or I really don't believe USC is going to be a factor. I don't know. I'd have to be. I don't know if USC plays both Oregon and Washington. I'm not sure they play either one with these crazy schedules. But I don't think. I don't think USC's defense is going to let them win a championship, guys. They're just terrible on defense, and that's hard to say because you're so used to talking about USC, and then when you say bad defense in the same breath, it almost takes your breath. But they're awful. I mean, I'm sorry, but they're awful on defense. And uh, I just don't think you can beat good teams. But I think Oregon and Washington are better on both sides of the ball than USC. Well, get this, Coach. USC, not only do they play both Oregon and Washington, they play them in back-to-back weeks in November. They start off with Washington, and they have Oregon. Then, oh, hey, you get UCLA the week after that. So they have a gauntlet to close their season. Well, I think UCLA is fair. I don't think they're great. The Cougars, I thought, just did not handle their adjustments on, on offense Saturday. And even with that, they only got beat eight points. And it was it was pretty ugly football, if you'll know the truth, on both sides of the ball. But because uh, Cougars are good on defense, they, they blocked the field goal, had a pick six, but their offense just stuck. For the first time since Jake's been coaching here, 
uh, and with this kid Cameron Ward, the offense just really was bad. But I, hey, that's that's going to happen. Unfortunately, it happens. Everybody all the time always has. But uh, I just like Oregon and Washington to finish both ahead of USC. Uh, I know Williams is a great quarterback. He won the Heisman. I didn't personally didn't think he was the best quarterback or the best Heisman winner last year. I thought there were several guys better. One at Ohio State for sure uh, was a better quarterback. And then you had Georgia and TCU. Both had guys I thought were very deserving. But it is what it is. But uh, I, you're not going to win championships with USC's defense, so I don't think they can win the conference. And we haven't even talked about Utah's defense. And believe me, folks, Oregon State's a good football team, guys. Do not sell them short. They are they are an old throwback, run the ball first, pound the play action pass. Reminds me of Tom Osmond. That's a bad memory for me when I'm thinking about Tom because he still wore my ass out. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jim Walden's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we still got you? Yeah. I want to I go back to the play action part, and, and Nebraska's trying to, to, to use that. And Cam Ward is a guy that kind of had our radar up back in 21 because of, of his transfer situation, and Nebraska was looking. Now, I think they ended up getting Casey Thompson, and when Casey was healthy, Casey was fine. But what do you what do you have up there in the Palouse with, with Cam Ward? I know last week was last week, but he's been phenomenal. And quite honestly, you're loaded, you being the Pac-12, with all sorts of quarterback options this year. Well, he's really good, and uh, he's got an unbelievable knack and an uncanny ability to escape to get away from things. He's got a nice delivery, and he's so accurate. That's when I knew that the Cougars were in trouble last week. The first three passes he threw. Now, a week before, he went like 12 for 12, and not all of them were wide open hook routes. And <laughs> But last week, the very first pass he threw was a hook route about nine yards old. It's a reaction, hook over the middle type thing, an adjustment, a, what we call an adjustment against a man hook. He threw it right on his feet. I mean, <laughs> I said, uh-oh, and so the next two passes were very similar, and I went, uh-oh, we better get regrouped here because I have not seen him throw three bad passes in a row like that since he got here, and it turned out to be just that. He followed those three up with 17 boards, so he, he had 20, uh, 20 incomplete passes and two picks last week, so you can see how badly he played. Getting back to the good, He's been an unbelievably good quarterback for the Cougars, guys. He he just has done so many good things. He adjusts the thing. And uh, Coach Dickert and these offensive coordinators have really done a job, good job keeping him with making this football team go. The league in general, though, you guys are loaded with quarterbacks this season. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no question about that. You got one at USC. You got one at Washington, one at Oregon, one at Washington State. Uh, it, it, it is unbelievably unbelievable how many good quarterbacks started the season already distinct, distinguished guys, and none of them are letting up. I mean, every one of them have had already had great great outings, uh, and it's just going to continue. The, the league is as strong as I've seen it in ten years, and we already know that all the ugliness has happened. Which the more you look at the I mean, it's just amazing to me to look at football. All the sports that's going on in the fall with 
women's volleyball, soccer, uh, football, and you'll see where the Pac-12 is ranked in all of them. You go, we did what? Hmm. We're going to blow up the league? <laughs> so it just tells you how much uh, emphasis is on football, guys. It's all about football. Don't ever let anybody tell you. Uh, presidents will sell their soul for one more million dollar per per year a difference, and that's what they did. They, they had they had about ten ten presidents out here that sold their soul for a few million, few more million dollars per year. Well, well, coach, with with the the future of the Pac-12 and the, the all the quarterback wealth, would you be willing to pull some strings and allow the uh, the quarterback wealth to be shared with Nebraska? <laughs> well, I don't know if I've got any strings hard enough to pull. Uh, to get them there, but uh, I, it's going to be interesting to see what the two that's left do. Uh, there are some pretty feeble grounds out here, guys, but I think the biggest deficit for all of them, and, uh, you know, Cameron's got another year, and if Nebraska has a chance to get him, I advise you to pick him up in the portal, and uh, I don't know. He may go pro. He may not, but uh, right now it's just a very terrible thing for the two left because they don't know if they're going to be in a conference. They can't set their schedules. They can't. They're going to have to deal with the portal at some point in time, not knowing who they're going to play next year. It is a terrible thing they've done to these two schools. And I just think in my heart of hearts, college football was never supposed to be uh, this, this careless, this reckless, uh, this thoughtless. And uh, it is that you, if you'd have told me 20 years ago or any other time, that the college people would treat two schools in this fashion that have not cheated, they've done nothing wrong, uh, it, it just blows your mind. But that's what they're left to deal with. But I will tell you right now, if Nebraska has a chance for Cameron Ward, you reach out and get him. They had a chance a uh, couple years back. Uh, you know, we'll see what Nebraska does at quarterback last well, they, time. Go ahead. Well, Smitty, I bring, hate to bring it up, but they had a couple chances at Joe Burrow, too. Oh. <laughs> I knew that was coming. How, how are the Burrows? <laughs> I'm sorry to bring that up. That's a bad memory. No, I, hey. What? Oh, oh we, we've had it brought up plenty over we're, the past we're, couple we're, years. We're fine, man. <laughs> I bet you do. About <laughs> once a week, huh? <laughs> yep. Somewhere uh, say, no. hey, didn't, yeah, no, I get it. Jim Walden, uh, longtime head coach, Washington State, Iowa State, assistant here at Nebraska and played for Coach Devaney. Coach, uh, last thought as we say goodbye, and it's so much fun to, to spend some time with you. And I wanted to get your take on on Coach Prime in, in Colorado. We were out there earlier this year, but your thoughts on on the whole situation in Colorado with what, what Dion's doing in year one. Well, I, I like what Dion has done. I know people are, you either on his side a little bit or you kind of think he's a showboat. I, I think he's a promoter. But more than that, I think he knows how to coach. I think he promotes uh, he promotes a lot of things for his football team. But at the same time, he knows how to coach on the weeks when he's not promoting. I mean, you've got to give the guy credit. He took a lousy football team and has made it tremendously competitive already. So let's start. we may not like his style. We may not like the coach prime and, and all that, but – Doggone it. Uh, uh, Dion's done a good job at Jackson State. He took over a terrible program there and brought it right to the championship level. He is doing wonderful things. I think, yeah, we all disagree with 
I'd like to have had the portal when I was at Iowa State, and I walked in to found 53 football players. I could have brought in 40 guys on the portal and not even cut anybody. But uh, and what he did, we don't agree with necessarily, but it's the way the rules are today. And so why not? And overall, I, I have to give him credit. I think he's done, a, he's done what he likes to do the way he likes to do it, and it's working. And maybe we don't like his style. I can go along with that, too. But in the end, you've got to say, what has he done for Colorado? And, boy, I'll tell you, he's done wonderful things for how much money he's made for them is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Coach, enjoy yourself. Have a good weekend, and we'll get caught up again here later on in the year. Thanks so much for the time. No problem. Always fun to get on with you, Schmitty. You guys take care, and go Big Red. Good to hear from Gentleman Jim, Coach Walden. His uh, longtime assistant at Nebraska, played for Devaney, and uh, does radio on weekends. As Coach Walden is all over the Pac-12 and still some Big 12 slash old Big 8 with his ties to Iowa State and Washington State. Good to hear from him. He's seeing some good football out west. He's keeping an eye on Nebraska and uh, loved it. Uh, so Brandon has come up with a idea for thursdays dangerous i love this idea so brandon chimes in chris we should introduce a whiskey over iced ice section to the thursday live stream introduce a whiskey professional that tells us a a new drink once a week i'd love that actually we could do it a little bit dangerous well here's the question do we need anything more than just whiskey over ice we can just bring a different bottle of whiskey every time. Then. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll call it the Brandon segment. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time. You are reminded, politely, that the podcast, the way to go with Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play can get the audio for you, the segments you want, the entire show you want. You want the video, the Hale Varsity YouTube channels where you check us out there. And you want to rewatch the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at H Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Jim Walden was just incredible. Love catching up with the legendary coach. He is uh, just uh, still a gunslinger, man. I love his takes on football and the tell it like it is. And he's got wealth of knowledge. Good stuff. Also in hour two from our friend Matt Schick from Schick and Nick and ESPN and Sirius XM. Got things kicked off the proper way with one Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. We love talking Tuesdays with Mitch. Appreciate your comments and contributions. Tomorrow, Mike Babcock, Evan Bland on the show, and a little Major League Baseball for us later on in the week with Jabba Chamberlain. Excited to talk with Jabba. How is your night? You're you're lined up. I've got beer and tacos on the brain, so I'm going to go do that with uh, the bunny. Junior's working. You are going to go bowl for bowl. You're going to just shoot for a 290 tonight instead of a 300. That's where I was going. I know you're going to have pitchers. I don't know about the pitchers tonight. Actually, really? Let's see, that's is, a, it, is it? The TBD. I'm not going to have time to get in a workout before, and I'd like to get in a workout at some point, and I need to stay on, on schedule with that. That workout is the butt heavy and the pitcher you're going to be hammering. Well, I, I think the bowling or, could or be the a nice original, warm-up. Or the original Coors. 
I'd like to, and we'll we'll see. If I'm not buying, if I should have a pitcher delivered to my table. Have you found a place table, that has original Coors on tap? I haven't really been looking all that hard. No, I know you haven't, but I mean, that's... I just got a beautiful new Coors hat, actually, that I'm really excited. Like, it's supposed to be getting in Is it what is it like the golden one? Like the golden Coors, like the yellow jackets? Or not the yellow jackets, but you know what I'm saying, the the yellow? It's it's not yellow, it's camouflage. So it's a camo Coors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> get this. Get this. Not only is it the camo Coors hat, it's also got those stupid ear flaps that come down. That's all right. That's for, nice for, and warm. for cold weather. So I'll be wearing that plenty this winter uh, if given the opportunity. I'm, I'm looking forward. I think that hat is supposed to be here at some point today, according to the shipping information, if you're to trust that. So we'll see. Those, Maybe, ha- those hats are underrated. If we get some uh, some cooler weather here later in the week, it might be the first chance to pull it out. You're just going to... You're just gonna walk around and wear it. You yeah. know, work out out work out outdoors in that hat, aren't look, you? It, it'll look like I'm working. I'll just stand around with my hands on my hips, though, and somebody will think I'm I'm being busy. Which, hopefully, that's not the planet bowling tonight. My average is sitting just above a 150. We're still at first place in the league, so uh, we have another big night tonight. We took most of the points last week, looking to take most of them. That's just it's all about that. It's just stacking good weeks, Schmitty. Going one to know every single week. We've we've been one to know one to know every every bowling. Outing. We, we've been 1-0 every single week so far this year, except for one. I'm 1-0 this week for uh, steak and a beer. That's how we started the show. Oh, you had show. to remind me. Okay. We're going to end the show that way. So your job is to find a game to try and even us up. For tonight? No. I was going to say Broncos Chiefs on Thursday might be our next opportunity, as little as I want to touch that one. Dude, you don't even want any of that. Because you're, you're, you're going to go, you're going to want Kansas City. It's, it's head versus heart yet again, as we were talking about, which means I'm probably going to take the Broncos to cover 10.5, and, and I'm probably going to lose. That's a lot of points. Is that in Kansas City? Yeah, dude, that's, I don't know, that's a lot of points. Uh, Sean Payton may not return to Denver. A Huda Media Production.